hands. I do want to give you the opportunity to sow seed into the house of the Lord. I wanted to show you this scripture from Psalm 116. David says this, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Now I want you to catch verse 17. He says, I will I will offer to you sacrifice, the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Um, when David said this, this was not just like a thought that he had. This is actually a thanksgiving offering found in Leviticus chapter 7. And what you would do with this thanksgiving offering is you would, at the end of a year or at the end of a battle or at the end of a great victory, you would look back on the faithfulness of God and you would offer him an offering of thanksgiving. And I just thought as we end this year, I, I don't know what your year's been like. It may have been incredible and awesome and just mountaintop moments. It could have been really challenging. But I, I want to challenge you today. David called it a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And I think as we end this year, we, not, we shouldn't end this year cursing 23. Amen. Amen. We shouldn't end this year... Uh, complaining about 23, I think we should end this year looking back over the year and saying, thank you, Jesus. You have been so good. You, you have sustained us. For some of you, he has sustained you through the valley of the shadow of death. And I, and I, I think it would be appropriate now at the end of the year to sow into the house of the Lord. And uh, if you can give some kind of offering today to help us end this year strong, I would really appreciate it. If you want to help us again with miracle offering as we uh, wrap that up, I, I just want to challenge you to sow into that. If you have not sown into miracle offering, I want to challenge you to do so um, and, and help us as we uh, end this year, 2023 year strong. You've been, you've been so faithful. You've been so kind to us. And uh, I just want to encourage you to sow today into uh, really what the Lord is doing here and what the Lord is doing in your life. And then as we end 23, enter into 24, uh, you know, how you end a thing and how you start a thing are very much connected. And so we don't want to curse 23 and expect a better 24. Let's, let's thank God for his faithfulness and then let's expect God to show himself strong in this coming year. Give me a good amen, everybody, everybody. And so I did this. By the way, Friday, I just, I, I, I looked at my year and I looked at uh, just kind of where I was and um, I thanked God for a lot of things and then I, I just sowed a seed of gratitude and uh, uh, a Thanksgiving offering. And so if you wanna do the same, you can do so. All the ways to give are there. Uh, most of you give at citylightvegas.com. You can also text any amount to 84321 or on your way out today, you'll see the uh, giving boxes and you can sow that way. Lord, I pray that you would bless your people as they give and as they sow into this vision and into this mission and as they ultimately just give to you to honor you. Would you bless them for their faithfulness and for their faith in supernatural ways, I pray. Undeniable God ways. Bless your people in Jesus' name. And the whole church said amen. Amen. And amen. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we're going to go to the Word of God now, Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15 and verse 25. And um, I want to read just a couple of verses to you. We're going to read seven 
verses. Luke chapter 15. Uh, for many of you, a very familiar passage of scripture. For some of you, not familiar, but I, I want this to become familiar. Luke 15 is kind of like one of those up there scriptures, okay? There's like Psalm 23, there's John 3.16, there's a, there's a few like that. Luke 15 is like that because it is three parables about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the lost son, or what we might call the prodigal son. And this is a story about a young man that demanded his inheritance from his father. His father divided the inheritance between him and his older brother, and then his son left the house, left the estate, took his inheritance, and the scripture said, wasted all of it on riotous living. What a great Bible word. Come on, riotous. If you ever want to kind of sound spiritual after a bad Saturday night on the strip, just say, you know, it was, uh, it was a little riotous. I was just a little, little riotous. Okay, so, uh, so he, he wastes his inheritance. He is now going to come back to the father's house. He, the scripture says he comes to his senses. He's returning home. And now his older brother hears that his younger brother is home. And, and here's where we catch it. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard, watch this, music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of his servants, what, what's, what's going on here? You're, what, what's happening? Why, why the music? Why the dancing? The servant said, your brother is back. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry. Notice this. He's angry. He's not happy that his brother's back. He's angry that his brother's back and would not go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years, I've slaved for you. I've never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when his son, when this son of yours, I love that it doesn't call him his brother, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. Wow, everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate, I love that, we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. I want you to just look at um, verse 27 one more time. Your brother is back. Your brother is back. Somebody say amen. And I, I want to talk, I want to talk from this subject today. Bring them home. Bring them home. Father, help me to share this in Jesus' name and help all the teams that could knock the Raiders out of the playoffs. Let them lose so we can get in. Amen. All right, come on. I believe in miracles. It could still happen. Some of you were in such deep prayer, but I, you were like, what? This pastor prays for the Raiders? They need it. Okay, okay. Uh, I'll never forget the story of my dad um, who was hunting. We're, I'm from New Mexico, so we're hunters and gatherers. Amen. Uh, we're just a little past the Stone Age in New Mexico. And so um, uh, my, my father was out hunting, and um, he, he got lost, and he knew it. He, he was out in the mountains of New Mexico, and uh, it got pitch black, and he could not find his way. 
and, uh, and he knew he was lost and he knew he was in trouble. The temperatures were dropping and uh, he, didn't, he had a gun, but he didn't have anything else. And he finally turned a corner and down into the valley, he saw a fire. He saw a campground and he celebrated, I- I've been found. Thank you, Jesus. So he runs down to the campsite and he talks to those guys. He didn't know who they were. And they said, sir, you cannot leave right now. Uh, you you got to stay here tonight and uh, just stay by the fire, get a little bit of sleep and go out at first light. You'll, you'll never make it back. And he goes, no, no, no. Now that I know where I'm at, you tell me where I'm at. I know, I know how to get back to my car. I'm good to go. And they, they said, sir, you, you can't leave. It's, it's freezing. It's pitch black. You ain't going anywhere. And he said, no, no, I'm going to go. So he takes off and uh, goes back into the night. And about three hours later, he turns a corner and he sees a fire and he goes, I finally found my camp. I found my people. Thank you, Jesus. It was worth it. And he runs up to the camp and it's those same guys. He's back. (laughs) It's it's hilarious to me because uh, the first time my dad was lost and he knew it, The second time my dad was lost and he didn't know it. <laughs> and and we, we find two sons, but watch me, they were both lost. One knew it, one didn't know it. I want you to catch this about the story. They were both outside of the house. One was playing by the rules, one was doing good, one was slaving for his father, and the other one was ruining his life, but, but both of them needed the mercy and the grace of the Father. One was lost and knew it. One was lost and didn't know it. And, and here's where we find the story. Now, you, what you got to understand about the prodigal son story is you can't fully wrap your mind around it without understanding the first two. So first, we have the parable of the lost sheep. Jesus said, if, if you have 100 sheep and you lose one, won't you leave the 99 and go get the one? Well, when he said it, everyone in that circle would have said, no. You don't leave the 99. You lose the one. Who cares about the one? You don't lose the 99. But Jesus was teaching us about his grace. That he's willing to leave the 99 for the one. That he's big enough to take care of the 99 and go after the one. And that his grace and his mercy is strong enough. And then he tells a parable of a woman who loses an expensive coin in her home. And she goes through the whole house to find the coin. And now we get to the lost son, but here's what's different about this story. In the first parable, you go after the sheep. In the second parable, you go after the coin. But in the third story, no one goes after the son. No one looks for the son. No one goes to bring the son home. Well, here's why. In Luke 15, 12, the scripture says that the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. So when the father had to give the younger son his inheritance, he had to break it up for both of them. So just for some easy math, if the father had $30,000, he would have had to split that up. But now what, what you need to understand about this is that the older son would have gotten a double portion. Deuteronomy chapter 21 says this, that your eldest son gets a double portion. And this is really for a few reasons. Mostly if the father was to die, that older son now kind of takes responsibility as the leader of the last name and they need to have more money to take care of any issues. 
So if we were to do just some simple math, the father has $30,000, the older son gets 20, the younger gets 10. And the reason the older brother did not go after his younger brother is because it would have cost him. Because it's been split up. And the reason that the, younger, the older brother never left his house to go look for his younger brother is because it would have, it would have impacted his life. Wow. Wow. He got the double portion and he said, I'm not gonna waste this double portion. The older brother never left. The older brother never went to go find his brother. The older brother never, never went to restore his brother. And, and maybe you're thinking, I get that. Like, that would be dumb. What, what older brother would leave his estate to go find his younger brother? That would be irresponsible. That would be kind of reckless. That would, that would be crazy. Who would do that? Who would waste what they have for the one that's already wasted their inheritance? Well, Romans 8, 29 says this. That his son Jesus would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Can I tell you an elder brother who gave up all for his siblings? Can I tell you an elder brother that gave up all of his estate for his younger brothers and sisters? The one who bankrupt heaven on our behalf? Who would be this irresponsible? Who would be this crazy? Who would be this merciful? Who would be this loving? Who would be this gracious? Our elder brother. See, the story of the prodigal sons is that what religion refused to do, grace did. Anybody grateful that we got an elder brother that didn't stay in his house? But Philippians chapter two says, he put on flesh, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, took on the form of a servant and came for us. That when he didn't have to leave, he left. That we, when he didn't have to go, he went. So, good. so it, I hope it makes it more powerful now when Jesus says this, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save yes. that which was lost. Jesus left everything. This is why 2 Corinthians 8 says, he became poor that we might become rich. Yes. He traded everything for you. And now we should do what Jesus did. Hebrews 12, 23 says, now we are the general assembly, the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. As the firstborn came for us, we now, the church, should go for them. Somebody say, bring them home. Say it one more time. Say, bring them home. Can I remind you that you're only going to take one thing to heaven, and that's people. You can't take your watch. You can't take your car. You can't take your house. You can't take your favorite pair of shoes. You're taking one thing. It's the souls you lead to Christ. That's it. That's, that's all we bring. 
Billy Graham said, I've never seen a U-Haul follow a hearse. <laughs> and, and we ought to go. We ought to go. So, so let, me give you, let me give you a few things. Number one, you got to bring them to the house. Invite them to the house. Your brother is back home. Your brother is back home. Man, I got, I got good news for somebody. If, if that son could come home, your son can come home. If that son could come home, your daughter can come home. If that son could come home, your spouse can come home. If that son can come home, that friend that you've been praying for can come home. If, if, if anybody can come to their senses, if that guy can come to his anybody, it, I'm, I'm telling you, the door's open to anybody, but we have to invite them into the house. It may feel hopeless. It may feel like they're too far gone. It may seem like they're not interested. And all those things, you, it may look like it or it may be actually true, but I'm just telling you, they can come back home. And we should never stop inviting the prodigal back to the house. The prodigal son reminds us that no one is too far gone. No one is outside of the reach of grace. That God's love and mercy is deep and it's wide, and it's high, and it's available for you, for your children, for your family, for your coworkers, for your friends, for your spouse. And what we ought to do is we ought to continue to invite them into the house. Listen to this. 70% of Americans will never be invited to church. Hello? 84% of Americans would attend church during the holidays if they were invited. Wow. What? Somebody said? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You know why we're going to give you these cards? Or are you just trying to pack out Christmas services? Absolutely. Yeah. Just trying to build a crowd? Absolutely. Because every crowd is a person. Every number's a name. Every seat will have a soul in it. And all, and all I can do as a preacher, I can't bring my house to heaven. I can't bring my watches to heaven. I can't bring my shoes to heaven. I, I can't bring my golf clubs to heaven. Though I do believe there will be golf in heaven, that's another theological debate for another time. But let me, <laughs> that hit me funny. But let me tell you what I can bring. I can bring souls to heaven. And I've been told by the experts that 84% of our city they may not be interested in church around July or around June or around February, but around the holidays, there's something in them. You know that more people will commit suicide between Thanksgiving and Christmas than the entire year put together. People are open. Souls are open. Hearts are broken. People are hurting. It's cold outside. It's going to be dark at 1 p.m. Come on, somebody. People are drinking like crazy. They're doing drugs like crazy. They're, they're looking for hope, right? We can be that person to bring them home. Get them to the house. See, I, I, I'm one of those crazy preachers. I still believe in the house of God. I still believe in the church of the firstborn. I still believe that something supernatural happens when we gather in the name of Jesus. Can I remind you of the house? When the sun came, there was singing. 
and there was dancing and there was provision. That's why we're not a quiet church. Some of you are like, you're so loud. I know. But what I see in the house is I see dancing. Hear me. That he heard dancing. I don't even know how to. He heard it. He didn't, he didn't just hear about it. He heard, he, he heard the dancing. He heard the singing. He heard the celebration. He heard the hugs and the high fives and the you're back and welcome back. And this is amazing. That's why our church feels like it feels. It feels like it feels because I will do whatever I have to do to make it feel like Luke 15. So when a prodigal comes in, they go... Wow. By the way, there was provision in the house. There was food in the house. There was a ring in the house for the son. There were sandals for his feet. There was a robe for his neck. There was, there was opportunity in the house. I believe in this. I really do. I could just be a Bible teacher. I could buy a camera and I could just teach on YouTube. It'd be a lot easier. You know why I do I do this because I think this is the heart of God. I think every ministry and I think every YouTube preacher and I think every missions organization is awesome, but they pale in comparison to what happens when the saints gather and the saints lift up the name of Jesus and the saints sing and dance and shout and clap and celebrate the goodness of the Lord. So I always ask you to invite people to church. I just keep doing it. And you know what I love about our church? Every time I walk out to that courtyard, just like I'm gonna do today. So how'd you hear about our church? Oh, you know, so-and-so invited me. Oh, so-and-so invited me. Oh, so-and-so. One out of 10 is like, oh, I found you on YouTube or I heard you preach at another church or a friend sent me a link, but that's like very few. Very good, yeah. People come to our church because people invite. And, and we ought to. We ought to invite to the house of God. Psalm 84.10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. You know what? That, that's God math. Am I being hip right now, Omar? Help me. Right? Not girl math. Not, you know, all these other math. That's God math. Oh, I feel so relevant right now. I feel so relevant in my weird jacket. Sherpa. I feel like a feel like a shepherd in my Sherpa. You know, I wasn't gonna wear Lauren, you left me hanging. Wait a minute. Time out. Wait, wait, wait. We gotta talk about this. Lauren was wearing one of these this morning. And I was wearing one this morning, but I have nice clothes, like church clothes, like what she's wearing. But you were wearing your Sherpa, so I said, oh cool, we're cool. I'm 40, she's 20, I'm trying to be hip. So I go, I'll wear it too. And now she's not wearing. We're not paying you this week. You're, doing, you're singing for free this week. I'm sorry. You're on a suspension. You left me out to dry. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, I'm sickening with it now. Sweating in this thing, dear Jesus. Okay, here we go. Bring it back. Take that out of the tape. That's God math. God, God math is David going, I don't know how it works. But one moment in the presence of God can change my whole life. 
I don't know how it all works, but, but, but one moment in God's house is better than three years outside of God's house. That, that God can hit the fast forward button on my destiny, on my relationships, on my purpose, on my healing. That, that God can do more in a day than I can do three, uh, three years outside of his house. Let me, let me just tell you about me real quick. I was saved in the church. I was saved in the church. That's where I got saved. I got called into ministry in a church. I got filled with the Holy Spirit in a church. I've seen countless miracles and healings in the church. I met my wife in the church. I got married in a church. I believe in this. And that was all way before I ever planted this church. Well, this is all self-serving for you. No, it's not. I've been doing this for 20 years. Chill. I've been a church builder my entire life. I've been a church builder as long as I've been an adult because I believe in this. I believe in the gathering. Look what Jesus says. He says, then go to the country roads. Whoever you find. Oh, I love this. I love this. Drag them in. Now, if you're a King James person, compel them to come. But I like, I like a little dragging, amen, in the house of the Lord. Look what, look what Jesus says about his church. I want my house full. I, I promise you, I'm grateful that you're here, but I see every blue seat in this room, and I just go, we need more people. Because there's over 2 million people out there, most of which are not going to church today. I see the seat. And I see the soul that could be in that seat. And I see the healing that could be in that seat. And I see the people that could, that could break every bit of generational curse over their life in that seat. I see, I see last names in that seat that could change. For, I see it. I, I'm obsessed with it. And I don't, I don't ring this bell, but twice a year. And I do, it at, I do it at Christmas and I do it at Easter where I really try to push you to bring people. But I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm, I think about this. Drag them in. Mark chapter two, verse three. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by the four of them. Well, you know, he's not available. To, no, we'll pick you up. I can't walk. We'll, dra we'll pick you up. We will lit physically pick you up. Since they couldn't get into Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat. The man was lying on it when Jesus saw their faith. Look at that. He saw their faith, not his faith, their faith. You, you bring your friend and then you pray your guts out during worship. And God will see your faith, not their faith. And then he said to the man, because of their faith, he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. We got to get him in the house. It was the older brother's responsibility. And it's our responsibility. Not an Instagram post. Not an Instagram ad. Not, I hope we go viral on YouTube. We have to look at our friends and family and say, come to church with us. Yeah. Yeah. Number two, we got to tell our story. Tell your story. The vast majority of Christians in America will never share their faith, ever. They'll never share their faith. I'm not talking about a Facebook post talking about how bad America is. I'm talking about you share your faith with a friend. I'm negative on Facebook. Isn't that enough? That's not faith. 
<laughs> that was for somebody. Um, you need to tell your story to somebody. What's your story? Your story is Luke 15, 31. Everything that God has is yours. That's your testimony. That's your story. Your story is the work of God in your life. See, I think so many times we forget the things the Lord's done for us. We forget our story. We forget our testimony. We forget to share the good news we've experienced. So God has to remind us, Psalm 103, verse 2, praise the Lord, O my soul, don't forget. Forget not his benefit. Don't, don't forget what God's done in your life. Don't forget. And, and, and we're just wired that way. Let, let, me, let me tell you something right now. If 10 good things, if nine good things happen to you today and one bad thing happens, I promise you, we will go to bed thinking about the one bad thing because we're just wired that way. To, to remember what the, what the Lord has done in our life, it is a discipline. Yeah. It's probably our greatest act of worship. Yeah. To, to go home at night, to lay our head on the pillow and go, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Now, now we need to work on that, amen. But I'm not gonna be obsessed with the, with the one thing that went wrong and forget all of the blessing in my life. See, we need to be more sensitive to open doors. Yeah? Uh, phrases like this, can I pray for you? You know, God's really helped me in that area. I found peace in my relationship with Jesus. See, you don't need to be a theologian to share your faith because it's your faith. It's your walk with the Lord. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be an expert. You just share your faith. Am I helping anybody? I was on the golf course uh, last week. Got just, I, I, I walk on and, and I'll just play with whoever's there. So I played with this guy. And, uh, you know, they were having beverages Adult beverages, amen. And we're, we're like two holes in. And I just try not to share what I do for a living. I try not to. I just try to keep it. Because I, I want to try to build some kind of rapport. And uh, hole two. So, what do you do? And, and, I, and, I, and I, I try to ease him in. And then I go, you know, uh, yeah, I'm actually a minister. I don't know why I say, I just, I don't know if that trying to help him, you know, just trying to like, I'm a minister. And he goes, oh, F word. Oh, blank. Are you going to throw a wet towel on this round? That's what he said. Like, are you going to ruin this round? And I said, I've been cool so far. I said, why are, you, why are you judging me? And he goes, okay, okay, fair enough. I said, I'm normal. He said, okay, okay. <laughs> Don't judge me. And I, and I didn't judge him. And so we, we, get, we get to about whole nine and he goes, so, and we have not been talking. And he goes, so, there are any hot chicks in your church? <laughs> Which is bro code for, I'm interested in going to your church. But I can't say that because I'm a bro. Men have a very weird, ladies, if we ever say something that you don't understand, yeah, just, we're trying, we're trying, you know? We do a lot of grunting, like, ugh, ugh, you know, a lot of that. 
you know, we go. So, so, hey, are there any hot chicks in your church was bro code for, you know, I'm open to faith. It really is true. Like, I need something more in my life. So I go, how old are you? I'm driving, go, how old are you? And he goes, 52. And I said, no hot chicks for you. Let me just tell you that right now. Now, I said, but I bet there are beautiful women who attend our church who are looking for a good man. He's single, you know. And uh, I go looking for a good man. I say, you're a good guy. You, you know, you're on a journey, but you're a good guy. <laughs> and he goes, uh, he goes, okay. He goes, yeah, you know, I think, I, think church would, I think church would be good for me. I said, I think church would be good for you too. And uh, so we start talking about our kids. We start talking, we just, and we're just sharing our faith. And I just start talking about the peace I found in the Lord, the purpose I found in God. I didn't just invite him to church. I started telling my story, what God's done in my life. Man, I think God can help you. I'm praying for, I just want you to know I'm going to be praying for you. And we got to the end of the round, and he, he, he wasn't fully open, and so I knew I couldn't ask for his number. I knew I couldn't. So I said, take down my phone number and save it in your phone. And uh, he goes, are people going to come knock at my house? I said, no, 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 no. I'm not asking for your number. That's what he said. I go, I'm not going to ask for your number. I said, keep your number. I said, you take down my number, take down our Instagram, and if you ever want to come, you come. But I want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your family. All right, all right, cool, cool. You just share your story. Now, when is that seed going to, I don't know. What Sunday is he going to come walk in that courtyard and I'm going to find, I don't know. But I think it's going to happen. See, again, I said you don't have to be a theologian. John chapter 9, verse 25, there's a man that Jesus healed, and they're, they're, they're berating him with questions about how did you get healed, and who healed you, and how did he heal you, and all this. And, and, he, and he just goes, look, guys, one thing I do know. He, he had just said, there's a lot I don't know. Here's one thing I do know. I was blind. Now I see. That's what I do know. I do know what God's done in my life. I can tell you about answered prayer. I can tell you about what God's done in my, I can tell you the peace I found in Jesus. That, that's what I, I don't know a lot of other stuff. There's a lot I don't know. I actually don't know more than I do know. But what I do know is more powerful than what I don't know. So I'm just going to live in what I do know. I know that Jesus has done something in my life. Guys, tell you people are open to that. And, and let, me, let me just tell you something right now. There is a God factor in this, Ecclesiastes 3, Ecclesiastes 3.11. He's put eternity in our hearts. That means that when you're sharing your faith, you have the advantage. Because <laughs> there's this spark, this divine spark in their heart saying, I know there has to be more because I made the money and I drank the stuff and I did the thing and I did that and I did that and I did that and I did and here I am. What is that? Are, are any of those things necessarily evil? Maybe not, but here I, I'm just still, uh, it's eternity. He's, he's put this eternal thing in you that says, 
I know there must be more. People are open. People are hurting. People, people need your story. See, we think sharing our faith is going down to the strip with a, with a sign. That doesn't do anything. It's proven it doesn't do anything. It, it's literally proven it does nothing. The way we lead people to Christ is with our relationships. Now, the Holy Ghost might talk to you at a Starbucks one day and you feel like you got to walk up to somebody. That's cool. I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. But can I tell you, 99.9% .9 of the time, it's going to be somebody you're in relationship yes. with. Yes. And you share your story. Share your story. Lastly, we pray for open hearts. Let me have the keys come up. We pray for open hearts. And, and here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do this week. I'm going to ask you, as you take these cards out, as you walk out with them, I'm going to ask you this week to pray for them. Because I believe that supernaturally God's going to open up doors. I've already, I already feel like the Holy Spirit told me some people I need to invite to, to Christmas this week, some relationships I have that I'm going to invite them to church. But what I'm going to do before I make the invitation is I'm going to pray. And, and here's the prayer. The prayer is Luke 15, 17. When that prodigal son came to his senses, he had a Holy Spirit aha moment. He's wasted all of his money. He's living in a famine. He's eating the food out of a pig trough, which again, Jesus is just emphasizing. I mean, this is in Jewish culture. What's, what's grosser than a pig, the, the food they eat? And he's, and he's wanting to eat that food, and it's in that moment that he comes to his senses and says, what am I doing? What am I doing? Can I just tell you, I think you're going to hand this to some people, and they're going to laugh at you, and, ah, oh, man, come on, yeah, I'm busy. And then a couple hours are going to pass, they're going to look at it and go, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life, I've, got, I've seemingly got everything. I feel empty. Or, or for others, it's going to be, they're rock bottom. And when they get this, it's going to be like, wow, I need hope. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to come. I'd love to come. Can I bring my kids? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is my prayer for your family and friends. Lord, open their eyes. Open their eyes. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. There is a spiritual warfare in salvation. Say amen, somebody. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan is blinding the minds, the eyes, the spiritual senses of unbelievers. And we are to pray for them and rebuke the devil and ask God to open their eyes and to fight for our families in prayer in the spirit to stand between them and their enemy and say, you're not getting another inch closer. This is, this is a prayer word called intercession. 
Can, can we talk about intercession? To, to intercede is to get in the middle. To intercede is to stand in the gap. To intercede is to become a priest unto God, where you represent God to the people and the people back to God, where you say, devil, you can't touch them because I'm in between you. You become an intercessor. You become an advocate. You become a middleman. You stand in between and so we pray for open doors. We pray for open hearts. We pray for miraculous intervention. Yes. Yes. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. I looked for someone among them who build up the wall and stand before me in the gap. God goes, I'm looking for people to stand in the gap between me and them and to bring me before them. That before a person ever invites God into their life, we invite God into their life. Did anybody just hear what I just said? See, because in America, we all believe in the sovereignty of God, and we're all kind of Reformed, we're all kind of Calvinists, and it's really bad doctrine, because we go, well, the Lord's going to save, who's going to save, praise God, the Lord's going to... No, 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 no. We stand in the gap. And we get between them and God, and we say, God, would you minister? And God answers our prayer. God sees our faith for them. God forgives them because of our faith. Well, if the Lord wants them to get saved, I guess it's just gonna happen. No, no, we don't, we don't believe that way. We're intercessors. We're middlemen. We're standing the gap people. We fight for our children. We anoint our children's rooms with oil and tell the devil to back up in the name of Jesus. We, like, we actually believe in this stuff. We pray for our coworkers. We, we pray for our families. We, we believe God answers prayer. We believe that our, that our child can come to their senses, that our friends can come to their senses, that, that our coworkers can come to their senses. And we pray for boldness to share what God puts on our heart. You know, this was the Apostle Paul's prayer request. It's one of his only prayer requests. Ephesians 6, 19, pray for me. Pray that I can proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news. Paul said, would you pray for me that I'd be bold? Well, if Paul needed that, I for sure need that. I really... God, give me boldness. Yes. To do what? To share, to proclaim, to let them know what God's done in my life. To give them the good news. I mean, it's the best news ever. Shouldn't be afraid to do it. I, but, I, but I ask God, God, give me boldness. And that's my prayer for you. That God would give you boldness this week that these Friday and Saturday night services would just be packed to overflowing, that it'd be chaos, that we'd have to, that we'd have to start another service at 9 p.m. to get everybody in because, because I believe the people are, are open to it. But they're not just going to show up. We're going to bring them home. We're going to bring them home.